It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it throughout the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order when you use promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlroom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. Now joining me today, hang on, I gotta, gotta take a deep breath before I do this. Hang on, joining me today Today is <gasps> director of basketball for Overtime Heroics, <laughs> contributing writer for Space City Scoop, podcast host at Clutch City CR, creator Rockets for Life group on Facebook, Lashard Bankley. What's up, Lashard? <laughs> man, what? Dude, when do you when do when do you find time to sleep, man? What's going on? And your and your husband and a father. What's going on, man? Uh, you know, you know, sleep is kind of overrated. So I've kind of foregone that to uh, follow my rockets and follow my passion. So I definitely can't complain about that. It'd be a lot better if they're winning, but, you know, I'll still take it. Hey, man, I love it. I respect it. You're on the grind. I am, too. And, you know, that's it means something. But I had to for real, I had to take a deep breath to make it through that uh, that introduction. Yeah, but... I appreciate the intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's go ahead and kick things off. We'll lay out the table for what we're doing today in today's episode. So first thing we're going to talk we're going to touch base a little bit on the rockets and their struggles just kind of some general thoughts from this little three game slide um, then we're going to touch base on actually Kevin Porter Jr. and his debut with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers in segment two. And then segment three, we're going to kind of circle back to the Rockets and talk about some potential trade scenarios, some suggested by you who listening to this podcast by the listeners. And kind of, you know, give our thoughts, uh, yay or nay, on some of these trades. Maybe throw up some of our own possible trade ideas, that kind of thing. So, first things first, we're going to dive straight into it. I mean, Lashar, give me a takeaway from this three-game losing streak. And kind of, what? give me your main takeaway or a couple of your preliminary thoughts on this three-game slide that this team is on. Uh, so, I would say it's kind of a mixture of several things. It's, it's kind of frustrating to, you know try to break down exactly what's going on with the Rockets because 
A, you have to factor in the fact that they're missing, you know, probably their first or second, depending on who you're talking to, uh, best player in Christian Wood. I mean, he's, since the Harden trade, he had actually been one of their better defensive players, which I think has kind of been overlooked. I think Coach Silas mentioned that several times, how much his defense has improved. But, of course, you mentioned your best rim runner, your best inside scorer, um, and that's what makes it so hard to evaluate exactly what's going on with the Rockets. But uh, uh, one thing that you can definitely point to has been the defensive slide. Uh, I mean, during the six-game winning streak, they were actually top one or two in defensive rating um, during that time. And over the last few games, they've given up 111 uh, to the Spurs, 119 to the Hornets, and then 130 uh, to the Pelicans. So it's gotten actually worse each um, game during the losing streak. So I think that's kind of what you have to point to. And then also just the in and out of different players. You have Wall and Gordon missing a game. Then you have Oladipo missing a game. So it's just kind of been a a, a stop and start kind of season. And Coach Taj has been having to juggle um, probably up to – they're probably up to 16 or 17 different starting lineups at this point. So that's been kind of the biggest thing is the different lineups and then the defensive um, breakdowns in the last three games. I think it's actually, um, I, unless it changed, because I think this was uh, against, it was a pair of back-to-backs recently, so maybe I'm mistaken, but I think they're up to 14 different starting fives, uh, starting lineups for the season, which is just ridiculous to think about. So I'm right there with you on all the inconsistencies that this team is being faced with, um, with guys in and out of the lineup. It's really hard to generate any type of rhythm, and I've you know expressed as much uh, in recent days, recent episodes on this very show talking about that's a that's a big issue plaguing this team now unfortunately it's not only plaguing the rockets because it is you know we are living in a world with covid-19 and safety protocols and contact tracing and all that stuff so there are plenty of other teams that are faced with you know lineup issues missing a guy for a week or two you know having players sidelined injuries are still a very real thing that you know, NBA teams have to deal with. And I wasn't expecting the Rockets drop off to be this uh, ridiculous without Christian Wood, but it has been. And it's a testament to how important he is on both sides of the basketball. You said it yourself, how important he had become defensively for this team. Now, I guess the other area that, you know, I want to talk about is Victor Oladipo has just largely underperformed in his uh, short stint with the Rockets so far. And it's an, it's a large enough sample size to me that I'm okay with now being critical of his performance. And at this point, I'm kind of on the ship of they need to try and ship him out by the deadline or at the worst case scenario, just let him walk this offseason because I don't think he's a long-term fit for this team, and I don't think there's really a reason to sign him to a deal with the goal that you maybe might be able to move him further down the line. I just don't think that's worth it because then maybe you get roped into a, a really really crappy contract situation with Oladipo. Um, so I, I, I'm just I'm ready to move on from him, honestly. I'm done with the Oladipo experiment. Where are you at on that? So I definitely agree with you on the not signing him right now to any type of extension. That would definitely be a big mistake. Um, I'm probably in the minority as far as giving him a little bit more time. And the only reason I say that is because since he's been traded to Houston, um, they probably had maybe one or two real practices with the entire team. And it's just, it's just so hard to, um, get any type of rhythm when you basically haven't really played with any of these players, um, and some of these players themselves, they're just still trying to get into it. I mean, Wall's been in and out of lineup. 
Um, the only constants really has been Cousin, Tate, and Tucker. Um, but as far as Wall and Oladipo together, um, it, they really haven't had a lot of time to play together. And it's just it's crazy because the very first game where it seemed like Oladipo wasn't trying to think about what the next play was going to be or what position he should be in, he actually had his best game as a Rocket in his very first game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was against the Bulls. Um, so – I look at a game like that, and he had a couple of other games where in the fourth quarter he actually stepped up. He hasn't been good lately at all. Um, and I think a lot of that also, like I said, has to do with just whenever he's not playing with Wall, that's just a, a bad uh, recipe for the Rockets because he's not a primary ball handler. He's a type of person that needs to come off the screens, um, that needs to be heading towards the rim, not out at the three-point line handling the uh, the ball. So. I'm still at the thought of giving him another week or two weeks to really evaluate whether you should trade him. But honestly, at this point, I'm perfectly fine if they can find a better deal, which is maybe one of the things we're going to talk about in the third segment. I'm perfectly fine with them actually trading him if it comes down to that. And, you know, I, I don't I'm usually not one to be immediately overreactionary, but I I do think that. Just the layout of how this team is structured right now, you know, a backcourt of John Wall and Victor Oladipo as your starting backcourt if you're committing, you know, if if they decide to re-up with him on a new contract this summer, um, somewhere, you know, north of $25 million a year, you're committing, you know, north of... Uh, what, $67, $68 million a year to that starting backcourt of John Wall, Victor Oladipo. And I just don't think that's enough to to push you uh, into an area where you're realistically competitive, you know, in this really stacked Western Conference. And I'd much rather see that money go towards a younger player or some, you know, just somebody else who fits the timeline a little bit better with Christian Wood. Because um, again, Oladipo is is still younger than Wall, but he's older than Wood. He's 28. He just, you know, and again, coming off of a major injury, hasn't looked like pre-injury uh, all-star Oladipo yet, and he may never look that way again. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of the situation. And so I'm not going to sit here and hope and pray that he turns, you know, turns back the clock and, you know, returns to form. Thankfully, they've already gambled on John Wall with that, and it worked. Um, the Boogie Cousins experiment is still, uh, it's trending downward, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to try and give him some credit, but no, it's trending downward. Um, the David Nwaba experiment worked out. So, I mean, it, it yes. does fit the, it does fit what Rafael Stone has kind of been doing, which is kind of taking in these reclamation projects, bringing in these guys who, you know, want a second chance or need a second chance, like Kevin Porter Jr., who we'll talk about here in just a moment. Um, and really these kind of somewhat low risk, high reward payoff moves, right? Where you look at the wall one, he brings in wall. You not only do you offload Russell Westbrook and that really horrendous contract, but you get back a first round draft pick and you got back the better player in the deal. So that's Rafael Stone finessing again. And then the David Nwaba move, which was a move backed by Rafael Stone back uh, before he actually took over the general manager position. That's another one, right? Low risk, high reward, and it's paying off. It's paying dividends. So maybe the Oladipo move, you know, if they give Depot enough time to get back to his pre-All-Star level play, maybe that's a possibility. We've seen the flashes there, but it's the inconsistency that's been killing me with Depot. Yeah, and and I think ultimately what's going to pretty much go, is going to happen is he's going to price himself out of where the Rockets want to pay him anyway. So 
even if he does, you know, pick up his play in the next two or three weeks and he's playing great, I think the fact that he's going to want a max contract, the Rockets aren't going to want to do that. Um, and they look at a player like they already have a player like Eric Gordon, who's had a, a bounce back year this year, who's making, um, you know, 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year. And they'll be perfectly fine letting Oladipo or uh, trading Oladipo away instead of paying him that max contract, which is going to be almost double of what um, someone like a Eric Gordon is making. So, yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately it's going to make more sense that they're probably going to move him closer to the trade deadline. And like you said, to get somebody that can fit, you know, better next to Christian Wood, because I think the Rockets ultimately need more help in the front court then they need, you know, on the wings and backcourt. Of course, they could use a backup point guard, but I think right now their biggest hole is definitely in the front court. Um, so, like I said, we're on the same wavelength as far as I, I think if you put a percentage on whether he's going to get traded or not, I think right now it's really 70%. He's going to get traded 30%. They keep him, and it's kind of going more towards the 80-20 or 90-10 at this point. The smart money would take the over on that one, 100 percent of the yeah. time. Um, now, and, and, and speaking of the Rockets needing a backup point guard, I'm of the opinion that their backup point guard is comfortably playing uh, playing games down in the Orlando bubble. So we're going to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. here in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Blue Nile. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now you may have read about this in New York Times, in Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Now, continuing on with Lashard Binkley of many different outlets because I cannot 
list them all a second <laughs> time. Um, we're going to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. and his uh, really, really strong G League debut. He posted 25 points on 9 of 19 shooting, 4 of 9 from behind the arc, uh, had a handful of rebounds, dished out 4 assists, some very Harden-esque assist, assists and step backs. And it's fitting because people have been calling KPJ like baby Harden. I know that they people have kind of been using that moniker for... Mason Jones, but I really feel like if if one of those guys is Baby Harden, it's really Kevin Porter Jr. between the two of them. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, if you go back and kind of listen to some of Kevin Porter Jr.'s interviews, he's mentioned Harden a lot as one of the players he you know looked up to as he was coming in the league. And you can kind of tell that last year actually had his career game against the Rockets as he seemed like he you know took the challenge of going against you know Harden, somebody he's idolized uh, as he was coming into the league and. Just watching this game, like you said, some of the mid-range jumpers he take, it was kind of reminds you of a early Houston Rockets, James Harden. Um, also, with the assist, he looked like he's definitely a willing passer. Um, so he definitely had a, a great uh, debut, considering he hasn't played in um, almost a year. So it's definitely encouraging, definitely looking forward to playing again tomorrow. And it's important to note that he is just 20 years old. I mean, yes. very young, very raw, a, a sky-high ceiling, sky-high potential. And, you know, for, for him to be able to step onto the basketball court, put those numbers up after not playing for a year, um, obviously he got some some practices and scrimmages in um, as the Vipers made it to the to the G League bubble or the gubble, as people are calling it, which for, just on a <laughs> side note, I hate, I hate that. It just, it, it's one of those like, thanks, I hate it moments where I'm just like, gub, yeah. like just, it doesn't sound right, gubble. Like, yeah. anyway. that, does, that doesn't flow at all, no. <laughs> not, not, not one bit, but um. You know, to, to really highlight on some of the some of the moments from this game, I mean, he had a dime where he was, uh, you know, rolling to, you know, going to his strong hand because he's a southpaw just like James Harden, yeah. uh, going to his strong hand, uh, dribbling towards the baseline and drew both defenders with him and then shifted the ball to his right hand and flipped the ball into, I believe it was a rolling uh, Ray Spaulding towards Ray the rim. Yeah. And it was such a clean dime. Again, very Harden-esque. And the the vision, but not only that, but but being able to patiently pull the defense with him until Ray Spaulding was in the right spot for him to deliver that really crisp pass to. I mean, again, very James Harden-esque in how he was patient with the basketball, read the defense, waited to react, and then delivered the pass on the money exactly where it had to be. And that wasn't the only moment throughout this game. He had so many of them where he just, you can tell he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I think that's such a big takeaway is sometimes you see a player in an NBA game and they they look like they're playing hot potato with the ball. Like they do not want the ball in their hands for nothing. Like, they, And then you see guys who are very relaxed and confident with the ball in their hands. And KPJ strikes me as the latter of those two, just from, from this one game and just what we've seen from him, you know, in highlights before this, uh, with his time with the Cavaliers, he definitely is a guy who knows what he's capable of on the court. Now that's not to say he had a perfect game. He still had some mistakes here and there, but that's the good news about him being in the G league is he can iron out those mistakes before they try to bring him up to the Rockets. Yeah, because he, I mean, as you look at the game, him and um, Kenyon Martin Jr. were the only two players that played 30-plus minutes. So he, he's probably going to get a lot of minutes, I would I would assume, going forward. And him being 20 years old, I don't think that will be a huge problem. And like you said, looking at some of the highlights last year, not only can he, you know, handle the ball, you know, at the top of the perimeter, he can get to the basket. He seemed really comfortable scoring inside the paint as well. So he's definitely seemed like a, a player that um, – 
even though he won't be coming up probably anytime soon, but you can kind of see the path of where he can possibly join the team sometime this year, possibly after the trade deadline. Cause um, you know, as we're going to talk about later, I think the Rockets are probably going to be pretty active in the trade deadline at the trade deadline. So some spots are probably going to open up, but I can see Kevin Porter Jr. Eventually making his way towards the roster, maybe sometime, uh, like I said, after the trade deadline or closer towards the end of the year. So this G League time is perfect for him. And I think some people are going to be like, well, what about Mason Jones, right? Well, like, where's, where is KPJ going to get minutes if, uh, if Mason Jones is already with the team and, you know, would reasonably be the backup guard uh, or at least somewhere in the rotation to uh, alleviate guard minutes if, say, you know, Victor Oladipo is moved at the deadline or maybe an Eric Gordon is moved at the deadline. They try to sell high on him, something like that. Um, I am, I don't know if I'm quite there all the way just yet. But I think that if you had to ask me right now if I could choose between who should be getting minutes between Kevin Porter Jr. and Mason Jones, I'd probably lean Kevin Porter Jr. And he's in the G League because he just hasn't played in a long time, hasn't had the reps, all that stuff. But if you had to ask me who I thought the better player was right now at this very moment and who has the higher potential, I'm easily going Kevin Porter Jr., yeah, exactly. And this, you know, don't no disrespect to, you know, Mason Jones, but Mason Jones is still a rookie. And at times you can tell he's still hesitant. You know, he doesn't always seem as aggressive as he should be, which, of course, you know, that's no surprise him, you know, being in his first year. And, and not necessarily to say that Kevin Porter Jr. is absolutely going to be on the roster at, towards the end of the year because it's not just his play on the court, but, you know, he's also still dealing with, you know, stuff off the court that kind of factors into whether he's going to be with the team or not. But um, I, I think that, like you said, if if you're, you know, going between someone like a, a Mason Jones Jr. or a Kevin Porter Jr., I, yeah, I'm definitely leaning, leaning towards Kevin Porter because he also already has that experience. He ha- just, at this point, seems to have more of an upside um, to his game. And that's not, you know, not to say that Mason Jones can't develop that later, but you can kind of already tell that, you know, Kevin Porter has kind of already figured out what his game is going to be in the NBA. Mason Jones is still trying to figure out that part of it. Is he, is he just going to be a knockdown three-point shooter or is his you know, game is going to kind of evolve into more of an all-around all game? So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out. And like you said, it all kind of depends on whether veterans like you know Eric Gordon is going to be here or who they trade, you know, Victor Oladipo for I think that's all going to be like a huge factor to kind of see where the Rockets are kind of going at that point. Yeah, whether they, you know, because again, if they, and I, I talked about this in, in the most recent episode, but I think the benchmark for the Rockets or the moment that we're going to know uh, definitively if they're really planning on uh, kind of bottoming out this year or actually competing in the playoffs and trying to still, you know, remain competitive, make a little noise, uh, is if they move Eric Gordon. Because it makes sense to move on right now from Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker. I think a lot of Rockets fans, I think if you're listening to this, you're probably in agreement there. Um, I know that Lashard and I are in agreement on that one as well. Yes. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense to move on from those guys. And those are two guys that depending on what type of deal you strike for those two guys, you can bring back quality players who are going to still be able to translate to wins in the here and now. But I think if you move on from Eric Gordon, you can still get 
quality back, but I don't necessarily know if you're going to get the same level of production back for for what Gordon costs you right now contract-wise because he's having a a resurgent year. And yes. in my in my opinion there's a point where, you know, if you're the Rockets and you have to decide, okay, well, the season isn't trending the way we thought it was. We're not as competitive as, as we thought we were going to be. Christian Wood is still out, yada yada yada, all that. Then maybe you roll the dice and you sell high on Eric Gordon and you invest in some future assets or, you know, a young player or two from a team who's really trying to, you know, who's an Eric Gordon away from pushing themselves over the hump this season. Um, you know, maybe you deal him for, you know, to a team that needs to re-up on their bench scoring a little bit, bolster their second unit lineup, but they're willing to part with, you know, a couple young prospects or maybe some future assets to do so. That would be the type of move where you look at it and you're like, yeah, okay, this team's not competing anymore this season. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, if you look at Eric Gore's numbers, I mean, crazy enough, he's actually should be in the running for most improved player. I mean, his points per game is up. Every major uh, statistical category is up from last year. And like you said, I mean, he's definitely probably more valuable to a team that's going to be contending for a championship. Um, you're probably not going to get equal value back for him the way he's playing right now, but the way he's playing right now, this is probably the the high point of where he's going to be all year, and you're probably going to get the most back for him. I mean, if this was the Rockets from, I mean, just last year, two years ago, then you probably don't even think about trading Eric Gordon, but the Rockets are, I won't say rebuild, because people don't like that word. The Rockets are more in a kind of hold and wait and see uh, kind of point right now where they're not exactly contenders, but they're not one of the worst teams in the league. They're kind of in that middle part. So if you can get some type of value back for Eric Gordon, uh, like you said, maybe some younger players or even more draft picks, I think you kind of have to do that, even though Gordon is probably having one of his best years in like probably in the last two or three years. I actually have a point to, I want to continue down that line of thinking, Lashard, but first, got to get a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Look, football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing, and MLB is right around the corner. Look, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's completely free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit with our promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n so don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action with that promo code locked on and get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Continuing our discussion with Lashard Binkley. Now, Lashard, you bring up a point. You said 
that you don't want to necessarily call it a rebuild because people don't like that word. I would argue this is absolutely a rebuild and whether or not people don't like that word doesn't matter. I think the word that some people are more averse to is just the word tanking. Um, Because regardless, this is a rebuild, right? If you move on from a generational talent, a franchise cornerstone like James Harden, you are just definitively, you are rebuilding. And that's what this Rockets team is in the midst of. They are rebuilding, and that's to me, that's perfectly acceptable and fine to say. So I don't think you need to, to shy away from saying it um, moving forward because that's just, it's just facts. That's what's happening right now. Now the point is, what type of a rebuild are they going to be you know, orchestrating? Is it going to be a competitive rebuild where they stay kind of a mid-tier team, as you kind of pointed out already? Or are they going to be a more truly bottom-out style rebuild and be like truly a bad team for a few years? Um, Again, whether organically or actively choosing to tank remains to be, you know, that's kind of TBD. But, um, you know, some of the moves that we're going to see, because again, I'm I'm a firm believer that Rafael Stone is not going to sit on his hands at this trade deadline. I think he's absolutely going to do something. And whatever he does is going to kind of shine a light on the direction that this franchise is going, what types of moves he makes, um, all of that. And I think that's kind of what everybody's just kind of waiting for now is with Christian Wood out and this three-game losing streak is we're just kind of at this point where we really want to see what direction the franchise decides to go. And I know that that's what I'm a little antsy for because, frankly, this team just isn't very good without Christian Wood. And it's it's going to be really hard to even stay 500 while he's out. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, you know, when you say rebuild, definitely, I think, you know, some people will say rebuild while tanking. Some people will say rebuilding while still being competitive. And I'm more of the rebuilding while still being competitive because I've lived through Rockets tanking um, I, uh, and during the Steve Francis era, um, right before they got Yao, um, right after they lost uh, Elijah Wan and Barkley and Drexler retired. It was definitely no fun watching that for an entire year, even though you know what they're going towards. Having to wait on a draft pick that may or may not even – you know, amount to anything is not exactly fun basketball to watch. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, the rebuilding while being competitive is still the best way to go. And like you said, I, I don't see Rafael Stone um, being quiet during the trade deadline. They definitely going to be making some moves because they definitely have veterans on a team that other play, uh, teams are going to want, like a PJ Tucker, even though he's struggling um, this year with the Rockets. There's definitely teams that will on P.J. Tucker's reputation alone would trade for, you know, a player like Tucker or a player like um, Ben McLemore, which some of the uh, our uh, listeners on Twitter suggested uh, can be part of a trade because um, he's definitely, you know, a type of shooter that a playoff team would definitely love. So I definitely see the Rockets making some type of moves. And, yeah, like you said, once you move on from Harden, you're definitely in a rebuilding phase. There's just no way around that. It's just a matter of whether you're going to be um, – completely tanking which the problem with that is there's no guarantee you're even going to keep your pick at this point so it's kind of a um it's kind of a (laughs) you're messed up if you do you mess up if you don't so i think they should just stay competitive and just kind of see where they are at the trade deadline like you said uh without christian wood um that you can definitely see you know the big time flaws with the rockets um and hopefully this is going to kind of lead them to um, another thing that's going to kind of let everybody know where they are is if they actually go out there and sign a, a big man like a Dwayne Dedman or someone like that that can help. Or if they just kind of stick with the team that they have, then you can kind of tell that they're not really trying to push too hard for this year. So uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be you know, really interesting to see what they do while Wood is still out.
Shoot, maybe they should. We forgot to mention him. Maybe you should. They should uh, just bring up Ray Spalding because uh, that man was balling out in the G League. <laughs> there you go, double double. <laughs> um, all right, so let, let's go ahead and dive into uh, to some of these trades. So the very first one I got pulled up here uh, from good friend of the show, loyal listener Andrew Sukup. I hope I said that right. Sorry, Andrew. Um, so uh, we've got we've got a Celtics Rockets trade here. We've got PJ Tucker and Victor Oladipo going out for the Rockets, and then coming in from the Celtics, we have Daniel Tice, Aaron Naismith, and a 2023 first round pick that is lottery protected. Hmm. The the first round, like just my immediate look at this one is that first round draft pick. I'm already I'm already thinking of Danny Ainge and how unlikely he is to trade any future assets. And yes. you know, not only that, but that's supposed to be the year that there might be the double draft where it's you know high school and college kids coming out at the same time, and um, that could be really impactful, even if it's lottery protected. If the if you know if that if the if the Celtics remain competitive, then that pick is definitely going to convey um, to the Rockets. And that would be a huge get to have, you know, even a late first rounder, even if the Celtics are one of the top teams in the league, to have a late first rounder in a stacked draft like that um, is kind of huge. And I don't know if necessarily Victor Oladipo, PJ Tucker, both on one-year deals um, is enough to net that return, especially if the Celtics already have Kimball Walker and Jalen Brown ahead in the guard rotation if you're the Celtics. That's my immediate reaction. How you think what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I mean, I would love if they can get that type of return back, but yeah, like you said, and and the problem is the Celtics are kind of already kind of thin up at the center position. I don't know if they would necessarily want to be trading away Daniel Thice. I mean, he's a type of player that they they still give, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a game to. Um Aaron Nesmith is kind of a uh kind of a wait and see type player. He, you know, may turn out to be a good player. Nobody really knows at this point, but like I said, that lottery, uh, lottery protected pick would be kind of the, the biggest thing out of that because, you know, if the Rockets can, you know, the most the more pick they can get, the more likely they can make a big trade later on, maybe not even this year, but maybe in the next year or two. Um, but like you said, Danny Ainge is the type of person or type of GM that definitely holds on to his picks and holds on to his players. It's been several different rumors with the Celtics over the last couple of years, and he pretty much hasn't really pulled the trigger on any of them. So, yeah, that would be the one. I don't know if he would be willing to give up any picks in it. Because like you said, Oladipo is on his last year. Same thing with Tucker. Um, and I don't know if they necessarily want to trade away a center at this point. And with the only other real center being Tristan Thompson. All right. I, and, you know, I... I, I, you're right. I would. I would. I like the return on that trade. I just. I don't see it as a as a realistic possibility from the Celtics' angle. Yes. Um, it does. It does help them, uh, you know, to an extent. Because you know, but then you have to decide. Okay, who's coming off the bench between those three guys? Is Victor Oladipo really somebody you're bringing off the bench? And then at that point, you know, what happens in the offseason? Do you re up on Victor Oladipo to keep him in a in a in a sixth man of the year role where he's making twenty five million plus? Hell no. Like that's not happening. Yeah. So. Um, definitely some questions around that one. Let's roll into our next one from uh, King Ash. Uh, Oladipo, PJ Tucker for Kendrick Nunn, uh, Kelly Olenek, uh, Iggy, and a first and second round pick from the Heat. Now that's an interesting one because it doesn't include Harrow or Duncan Robinson. And I don't know of any Heat trade that I've seen in recent memory that doesn't include one of those two guys coming to the Houston Rockets. So what's your immediate thought on this one, Lashard? 
Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't know a lot about Kendrick Nunn, but he's actually been playing pretty well since uh, Goran Dragic's been out with injury. Um, I don't know necessarily about Kalen Olenek. Um, he's been kind of an up-and-down player um, ever since he's uh, left the Celtics. So, I mean, he'll be a decent uh, center to have next to Christian Wood, but he's not necessarily the, the defensive person that I think will – benefit the most by being next to Christian Wood. He's more of a outside three-point uh, specialist from the center position. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately... I'm really viewing... You... So, Olenek and Iggy are just here for salary filler purposes, yeah. essentially. Yeah, and, and I mean, ultimately, if you're dealing with the Heat, of course, you would like to get one of the, you know, Hero or Duncan back in the trade. So, um, I don't know if it's the really the best thing from a Rockets perspective, because... Um, yeah, I mean, salary fillers are fine, but ultimately, if you're trading away Old Depot, you kind of either want to get draft picks or a young. Well, player no, so there was so there was the there was the first round pick and a second round pick included in this. So there okay. was so essentially the the re, the real the true return in this one was none a first round pick and a second round pick. Now, now uh, Ash didn't specify, uh, you know, what years those picks would be from. So, I mean, we could, you know, just kind of keep that up in the air, but you know, that's the general return is just, and then Olenek and Iggy are, are filler. But I mean, my immediate question with this one, and this is going to be the question um, really with any, any trade orchestrated around Victor Oladipo, here's the thought process that has to go into it is does the other team, a, have a chance to just sign Oladipo outright this summer, and B, if they do, why would they give up any assets, any real assets, to acquire him now? And I think with the Heat, the real question is, and I apologize because I should have looked this up before we got to this segment, but I actually don't know who they would have to renounce the rights to to have enough outright cap space to sign Victor Oladipo this summer if the Rockets don't move him at the deadline or if he just if they do move him and he opts out from wherever he signs whatever the situation may be um because it might benefit them to not have to renounce the rights on him and if they acquire him via trade then they've got his bird rights and then they can just actively re-sign him to an extension this summer and they don't have to renounce the rights on their other players to do that whereas if they wait for this summer and then they've got to maybe renounce the rights on I don't know was it Drajic had like a two a one plus one deal or there were some other guys on their roster right they're going to be in a position where to be able to take the most advantage of their cap space they might lose out on some of their current players anyway so that's kind of the the fishy situation there is and the same can be said for other teams that might want to pursue him, maybe the Nuggets, maybe the the Knicks, you know, any other teams that are, uh, you know, interested in procuring her services. They have to weigh the cost-benefit analysis of do they want to mess around and maybe lose out on him this summer or do they want to just secure him now, giving up a little bit of assets to do so and have more control over what happens uh, at the end of the season. And I think that's kind of the, the main takeaway. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at it, look at their roster, uh, Goran Dragic is going to be making 19 million next year. Um, Myers Leonard, that's uh, he's going to be making 10 million uh, next year. So one of those two players, they're probably going to have to uh, release um, to be able to make room for Victor Oladipo. And another thing you think about at this point, does Miami really want Victor Oladipo? Because they've been rumored to uh, be in you know trade talks with trying to get Victor Oladipo for the last two or three years, and I don't know how interested they'll be at this point. Um, the more that you know Tyler Hero you know develops his game do you really want to bring in a Victor Oladipo at you know 
getting closer to 30 years old is going to be making 25 or 30 million dollars a year. So like you say, it kind of depends on the other team as well. Are they going to want to bring in a player like a Victor Oladipo who is, you know, still, you know, trying to get through his, you know, the major injuries that he's had at 25, 30 million dollars a year when you already have young players like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And then if you don't trade for him, you have to renounce players like a Myers Leonard and uh, Goran Dragic, which may not seem like huge deals, but that's a lot of your depth that you're kind of uh, cutting to bring in one player. Yeah, they would they would basically to have a, a max slot, and this is just me doing the quick math on this because because uh, Bam's extension kicks in and he starts making twenty eight yes. million a year next season. They would have to renounce all of their all of their free agents and the uh, they'd have to they'd have to renounce the. Uh, the cap holds on all of them. So that'd be Drogic, uh, Iggy, Myers Leonard, and Avery Bradley. They'd have to give up on all those guys to have, and even then it might be cutting it a little close uh, with all those numbers to have e- to have enough cap space to outright sign Victor Oladipo. But that being said, now that we've kind of laid the groundwork there, let's dive into another one of these trades that we've got laying about over here. Um, what do we got from Kenny Orchard? We've got Oladipo, PJ, and two firsts for Zach Levine. Now, Zach Levine's a guy that a lot of Rockets fans are interested in. Um, We've discussed him on this very podcast before. I think he's a certified bucket, absolutely. And uh, a a pairing of Zach Levine and Christian Wood for the foreseeable future alongside, you know, obviously Jay Sean Tate. That's a a hell of a young core to have. Um, I don't know if... I don't even actually know if you need to necessarily include P.J. Tucker in this one first off. That's kind of my immediate reaction here because the, you know, again, when you look at so many of these trades, right, there's the salary filler portion and then there's the actual, like, what are you getting back for that player portion? And I think the return here for the Bulls, at least, is the two firsts is what really matters. I don't know if they're necessarily interested in an aging Oladipo and a very uh, long in the tooth P.J. Tucker, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the thing that's going to go for P.J. Tucker. There's only a limited amount of teams that you can probably realistically trade him to because, um, A, he, even though he doesn't have a no-trade clause, he's still he's not going to resign with that team. And if it's not really a championship contender team, um, that team's probably not even going to want to trade for a P.J. Tucker. And like you said, really a team like the Bulls that's still trying to find their way, Those the draft picks are going to be the biggest thing because – Honestly, if they were to do a Oladipo and a PJ Tucker trade, I wouldn't even be shocked if they just let both of them walk just so they can have a cap room and have the first round picks. I mean, out of all pretty much all mostly the trades has been you know discussed, Zach Levine would probably be definitely the perfect person that the Rockets could bring back um because he's in the same age age range as uh Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood. Um but like you said, at the end of the day it kind of just depends on you know, would the Bulls be willing to bring in an Oladipo knowing that it's probably a 90% chance he's going to walk after the year anyway? Speaking of, here's another variation of that one that I actually really like uh, from a from Malik Riles. Um, so this is another one where the Rockets do land Zach Levine. So it's a three-team 
uh, permutation, but the Rockets get Zach Levine, the Nuggets get Victor Oladipo, and then the Bulls walk away with Ben McLemore, Gary Harris, and then two draft picks. However, both of the picks are from the Nuggets. It's a first rounder in 2022 and a second rounder in 2025. Um, I think this one's a much more realistic, workable scenario. Um, if the Nuggets' rumored interest in Victor Oladipo is true, then that would be a great deal for them because Victor Oladipo is a huge step up from Gary Harris uh, for the Nuggets, a team that really wants to make some noise this season. Um, he Victor Oladipo kind of matches the timeline for the Nuggets. Um, he is a little bit older than the rest of their core, but if if he's willing to re-sign long-term with Denver, I think is the biggest takeaway. Um, and I think, honestly, this structure is an absolute steal for the Rockets. I'd be yes. hard... I, I think that I think to, to really make this a more workable trade, the Rockets would probably have to include at least a first-round draft pick also going to the Bulls. So the Bulls walk away with at least two firsts for Zach Levine. Yeah, and I was going to say that the Rockets... Um, I mean, that would be great if the Rockets didn't have to go up any draft picks, but they definitely probably have to send something else back to the Bulls um, because uh, if you look at the Bulls, will also be taking on... Uh, Gary Harris actually has two years left on his deal, so that'll be extra money they'll be taking on. So they'll definitely want more draft picks in return, but a team like the Nuggets would actually be uh, perfect for Oladipo because, as they've shown, they're willing to spend money on older veteran players like Paul Millsap had a huge contract... Um, that they still kept on their roster because they're trying to win right now, even though uh, Nikola Jokic and um, Jamal Murray are still, you know, uh, fairly young. You know, they're still just beginning their primes, but they still have older players, like I said, like a Paul Millsap, um, that they're willing to pay big money to. So Victor Oladipo will fit in perfect for that. And, yes, he's definitely an upgrade over um, Gary Harris, um, who's kind of just been up and down in and out of lineup. So, I mean, if the Rockets could – structure a deal like this to where they've only they're only giving up like one player and maybe one first round draft pick um that would be a perfect trade uh, it's probably like the the best trade out of all of them for the Rockets so far yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of that one and I was kind of on the fence about about Zach Levine previously um and about you know his supposed fit with this team but um I think uh it was Andrew who pointed out to me on Twitter that you know and I, I'm kind of now reassessing where my my head was at regarding you know the future of this team. And he put it really well by saying that um, you know it's about it's about just acquiring talent right now for this team. Is they need to acquire as much talent as possible and figure out you know I guess the identity later on or figure out the culture later on, rather than worrying about. Um, you know, downgrading, I guess, defensively from a Victor Oladipo to a Zach Levine type, even if he does bring you um, a bit more consistency on offense. Um, that was an original like apprehension that I had uh, regarding that. But uh, really, you know, I'm kind of buying a bit more into the Zach Levine hype. Um, I think if he's attainable from the Bulls, he's definitely a target the Rockets should be should be focusing on. But another guy um, who is playing for the Denver Nuggets, another young target that some Rockets fans are uh, caught up with, and of course, Podfather Ben Dubose has a bit of a bias <laughs> here as well, uh, yes. is Michael Porter Jr. And so our next one that I want to pull up from Sean is actually P.J. Tucker, Victor Oladipo, and the Milwaukee 2022 first for MPG. Jay and Gary Harris. Which again, Michael Porter Jr. would be great. Um, and kind of go back to a point you just made. Um, that's exactly kind of where the Rockets are. They don't really have a identity yet. So 
like you said, um, just getting as much talent as they can and then figuring out afterwards is probably their their best bet. Um, but Michael Porter Jr. would be great. My only problem with the trade is um, they're trading P.J. Tucker to the Nuggets, who already have a older power forward kind of that's already in their starting lineup and Paul Millsap, as we mentioned earlier, who's actually having a you know pretty decent year this year, actually a lot better year than P.J. Tucker. So it's a matter of would the Denver Nuggets really be willing to give up a player like Michael Porter Jr.? Um, even if you send them draft picks, I don't know if the Denver Nuggets are – at the point right now where they're really that worried about draft picks. They, I think they think they're more of a contending team, kind of like the Rockets were the previous year or two where Daryl Morey, or pretty much every year, where Daryl Morey pretty much traded away their draft picks every year because they weren't worried about the draft. They were just trying to contend, and I think that's kind of where the Nuggets are now. So, I mean, it would be great for the Rockets, but I just don't see the benefit for the, the Denver Nuggets uh, when it's all said and done. And I think one other takeaway that I have with MPJ on the Nuggets is – the Nuggets are actually in this really unique position where they are a very talented team, um, albeit you know at times, uh, you know there there have been some some questions surrounding them. Are they are they legit contenders? Uh, are they just kind of getting lucky? I think they're. I mean, I think Jokic is a, is an absolute. Uh, you know, not a not a lock. I don't want to say, but he's been playing at an MVP caliber yep. level this season. Um, the Nuggets look like a good team, but. I think my, my main takeaway is they do not have to worry. Like they can, they have the ability to weather the storm that is this West Western Conference because they are a young team. They're very like young Warriors esque, like 2013, 2014 Warriors esque in the sense that they have a very young nucleus and they can outlast some of the older teams in this Western Conference and be ready to strike kind of when Jokic and the rest of their core is hitting their primes. Um, that way, you know, again, they don't have to break anything up. They don't have to rush anything. Um, if they're able to bolster their roster by offsetting Gary Harris and maybe a couple assets, then I could see them doing that. Um, just because Harris has definitely been the odd man out as far as that team is concerned. Um, but as far as, you know, them getting rid of MPJ because of some, you know, what was it the other night? Um, MPJ threw up like a three pointer and like Jokic like kind of was pissed about it or something and people were like immediately like freaking out like oh KPJ you know or not KPJ I apologize um MPJ is uh you know upsetting Jokic and the Nuggets have to trade him or something like that and I'm like dude like no like I mean he took a stupid shot like that's that like I mean there's no need to be overreactionary about these takes um man uh I mean trying to I'm scrolling through the rest of these trying to see if I can spot another another good one uh too we'll focus on this last one here because there's actually a segue from it that I want to go into but um from uh from John on Twitter house KJ Martin and three first round draft picks oh, wow. <laughs> um for John Collins <laughs> and his rationale is we'll have to pay him near max money this summer but at age 23 he's a great power forward to pair with wood uh Tate wood and Collins would be our front court of the foreseeable future. Um, so my, my, the reason I highlighted this one is because this is actually kind of my takeaway from like worst case scenario. If the Rockets can't move Oladipo and Tucker at the deadline, if they can't find any suitors, that's almost 30 million coming off the books and reasonably, you know, if they, if they find a way to, uh, you know, sell high on Eric Gordon or potentially move Eric Gordon this summer, they could realistically create some max money this summer now that they don't have two $40 million plus contracts on the books in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Um, John Wall obviously still making north of $40 million, but they can create uh, you know, a large amount of space this summer and be able to just outright pursue a guy like John Collins if they wanted to without having to give up this 
you know, chunk of assets that uh, John suggested that the Rockets trade for John Collins. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I don't know if you necessarily want to trade away any assets this year. You kind of want to wait and see and see how everything works out. And like you said, I mean, uh, John Collins already turned down a huge contract for the from the Hawks, so I don't necessarily think he's going to resign with them anyway. So you you can wait, like you said, to this off season, um, where if you can't uh, trade up Victor Oladipo, um, you have him and PJ Tucker coming off your books, and you can just go out and just sign him uh, outright, just like you did a Christian Woods. So I don't think you necessarily want to give away um, any picks this year because you still want to kind of see where you are. Um, and just on John Collins himself, he's kind of had a, a down year compared to last year. And I don't know if that's um, from just his overall play or if it's from Clint Capella actually coming back and Clint Capella having a great year. Um, but, I mean, John Collins would be good, but I just – no way you can give up three first-round picks for him. Um, I don't think that's the price tag for a, a John Collins. I think, like you said, you wait to the offseason, and if you have the money – I definitely wouldn't have a problem pursuing him, but yeah, three first round picks is a little bit steep. To 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 pull up the numbers here, um, so if the Rockets like first off, they've only got one, two, three, four, five, uh, five players under guaranteed contracts for next season. And that's John Wall, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, Daniel House Jr., and Kevin Porter Jr. Um, they've got a player, or, sorry, I apologize, a team option on Kuruks. Uh, and then they've got Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin Jr. who have unguaranteed deals for next season. Now, if they were to just simply, and this doesn't even involve having to move Eric Gordon, if they were to just simply de- decline the team option for Kuruks and then find a suitor for Daniel House Jr., which should not be difficult at all for a uh, this summer he'll be you know he'll be 28. He'll be, you know, he'll be on his final year of his deal. Um, so a contract year where he'll be on his best behavior. So no leaving any door, doors open, hopefully. <laughs> um, and uh, but specifically, like, I mean, he'll be playing, you know, he, he's a good three and D wing. Right. And whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's shown he can do both roles effectively. Um, getting rid of him, you know, move, moving him for a, you know, even just a second rounder or a late first from some other team should not be an issue whatsoever. That would generate that would give the Rockets enough room for about a $25 million uh, size contract to be able to just outright sign somebody uh, this offseason. And then they'd be able to fill out the roster, you know, elsewhere with the non-taxpayer MLE, you know, vet minimum contracts, uh, rookie deals, all that kind of stuff uh, to kind of round things out. But that would be a way that they could reasonably uh, attain a guy like John Collins uh, and, and pay him his full max this summer uh, and, and still come away with a front court of Jay Shantate, John Collins, and Christian Wood, which sounds like a really exciting front court to have. And then when you talk about the fact that you still would have John Wall and Eric Gordon, uh, hopefully KPJ pans out a little bit. You'd still have him hanging around. K, uh, KJ Martin Jr. would still be around. Mason Jones, probably, um, depending on how he pans out. There's a lot of upside to that because again the Rockets have a ton of expiring deals this season so many guys on this roster that only have this year under contract and then nothing else past that uh and reasonably guys that you know probably wouldn't be getting re-signed in the first place um so that's definitely a a route to go now I unfortunately haven't looked at the other free agents out there but the John Collins idea has been floated around on Twitter and I'm pretty impressed with that one because I do agree he would make a a really interesting and probably a really solid fit next to Christian Wood. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the type of player that you kind of want next to a Christian Wood. You don't want a 
you know, a lumbering type player that's going to clog up the lane and it's going to make it hard for uh, Christian Wood to be able to get shots on the inside. So uh, John Collins, who's around the same age, um, who has, you know, some of the similar abilities of Christian Wood, I think he'll, he'll fit perfect next to him. And like you said, the, the better route is to just wait. out as far as giving up assets this year. Now, of course, if you can get like a Zach Levine. Um, i also been seeing a lot of Aaron Gordon. I'm not really sold on Aaron Gordon. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I'm just not sold on him as, as someone that um, you would necessarily pair next to um, a Christian Wood. So I think you're just kind of better off. If the if the options are getting a person like Aaron Gordon or just waiting it out and just letting the um, – people like Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker fall off your cap, I would much rather just wait it out, let them fall off the cap, and then just kind of reevaluate it over the summer and see you know, if you can sign a player like a John Collins. Definitely. And then there's the other route, which is uh, the the route that uh, some people are uh, advocating for is the truly the tanking route, which would be um, utilizing some of these expiring deals like the Dante Exum deal, maybe the PJ Tucker deal, right? Um, The Victor Oladipo is technically an expiring deal, utilizing some of those contracts to take on. Uh, opposing bad contracts and bringing on assets while doing so, very similarly to the Oklahoma City Thunder and how Sam Presti has gone out and basically uh, accrued every albatross contract in the league and did so, you know, acquiring uh, tons of first-round draft picks and, you know, has up to, I think he's up to like 17 first-round draft picks now over the next many years, which is ridiculous to think about. Um, So that's, you know, that's kind of when we talk about the difference between rebuilding and tanking or just organically sucking and tanking, um, that's tanking, right? Is by utilizing yes. your cap space to jettison good players, to take on bad players on bad contracts and taking on assets while doing so um, as a favor to other teams who need either cap relief or who want an actual good player in return for a bad player, things like that. Um, so there's a distinct difference between just organically being bad and then outright tanking, which is, again, being bad on purpose and utilizing your cap space to continue to suck, unfortunately. Um, but we are, we are, uh, Fallen pretty late into this podcast, kind of lost track of time, but that's what happens when you're having fun talking hoops. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Lashar, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can track you down at. Uh, yes. So, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I am a uh, contributor for Space City uh, Scoop. I'm also a director of basketball operations for Overtime Heroics. Uh, of course, I do uh, podcasts um, for Clutch City Control Room, and I, yes, I am a creator for Rockets for Life on Facebook. So, if anybody's looking to join a Facebook group, um, Definitely look us up there. Um, and as always, I, I had a great time. And it's always great talking uh, Rockets Hoop on the uh, OG po- uh, Rockets podcast. Rock on Rockets. <laughs> I, I appreciate being called the OG Rockets pod. Now, I'll tell you, what, you you're not going to plug your Twitter, man? Oh, yes. And of course, there you, you can go. find me at, at uh, H-Town for like 40 all caps, of course. There we go. All right, Lashard. As always, it's a pleasure talking Rockets basketball with you. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.